0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: BFM 89.9, good morning. Now, according to the ABC, which is Australia's national broadcaster, Australia has rejected the asylum appeal of the convicted Malaysian murderer Cyril Azahoma, However, they are not likely to deport him back here because after, until after Malaysia abolishes the death penalty, ABC stated that Cyril's appeal for asylum was rejected on the grounds that his crime was not political. And this decision came after a lengthy court process where the tribunal found no suggestion that a state-ordered assassination would, amant,
0: would amount to a political crime. Yes, yeah, so Cyril was a former police commando and the ex-bodyguard to the former Prime Minister Naj, uh, Najib Abdul Razak. He fled Malaysia in 2015. 15 following his conviction in the 2006 gruesome murder of Mongolian national uh, Altantuya Sharibu and has been detained in the Villawood detention centre in Sydney uh, and you know he was found guilty with fellow commando Azila Hadri so it's still that question as to how he fled Malaysia you know that was that was I, I don't know if that was even answered but uh, yeah, well, I mean, he
1: was convicted for the murder of Alton Tuya. He was the one who pulled the trigger, but clearly the motive was in question, and he's now required to be back in Malaysia to offer testimony on the ongoing Alton Tuya trial. The problem is, Cyril is in limbo land. He wants to have asylum in Australia, but Australia won't give it to him because his crime was seen not to be political. But then the Australians, in turn, won't send him back here because they are afraid that he might be sentenced to death. Uh, 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 um, a legal uh, loophole, which obviously the developed world, including Australia, does not agree with. So joining us online to discuss this is Latifa Koya of Lawyers for Liberty. Latifa, thank you for taking this call. Now, this proposal to abolish the death penalty will only be tabled in Parliament next month. Do you think it'll be expedited so that Malaysia can bring Cyril back?
2: Well, I, I don't think that uh, even prior to this, the government had talked about uh, wanting to abolish the death penalty only for the purpose of bringing Cyril back. I think that is some kind of speculation that has been put out, uh, you know, in an over-enthusiastic analysis uh, that it is connected with bringing back Cyril. Uh, the issue of death penalty had come about because there was a promise in the manifesto to at, at least do away with the mandatory death penalty. And mandatory death penalty, uh, does not in itself mean Cyril could be brought back. Of course, it would be a pleasant outcome once the barbaric, uh, you know, death penalty, uh, the killing by the state, uh, is removed, uh, uh the Australian government can reconsider, uh, sending back Cyril. But I, I don't think that was the basis uh, for the government
0: to speak about the abolition of death penalty, Latifa. Even if the government tried to expedite the bill, do you think it would pass both Parliament as well as Senate? I mean, if you recall, uh, remember it, the anti fake news act did not, you know, did get passed in Parliament, but uh, it was shot down in Dewanagara.
2: Well, it all depends on the makeup of the Senate. Of course, the last year, the Senate was uh, a majority of the Senate is made of the previous, uh, uh, you know, appointments. So that would include uh, a pro-BN uh, Senate. And and I think some of them have already come to their uh, end of their terms. So I'm not too sure whether there are new appointments and that would change the, the makeup. And that would in uh, fact uh, uh, affect uh, the outcome of any uh, passing of a bill. so it really depends on uh, how many of the senators have retired or have or, or seized uh, their terms and how many of them have been uh, appointed, which would be uh, what we call a pro pH uh, senator or um, a rather more independent uh, Senate.
1: Yeah, Latifa. judging by the use of your, term your, your words earlier, you seem to be a critic of the death penalty. But, um, you know, how likely do you think is a U turn um, on, on abolishing the death penalty, considering the back, public backlash potentially from some quarters? Uh, I'm going to cite the, uh, the the rights group UMA, who have threatened a, a mass protest that they say would rival that of the ICERD rally. Do you think the government could buckle under this threat? Could we see the same thing happen here?
2: Well, okay, let's look at uh, the issue of death penalty. I don't think this um, issue of death penalty, uh, i rather say this is state killing. Uh, you can call it in a more civilized way. But the point is this. This is killing uh, or murder by the state. And um, I don't think uh, it has always, uh, it has never been a popular move in any country. No countries um, uh, over the years have abolished that penalty because of a popular demand. And, and, and I believe that the issue is not just uh, an issue that is raised by uh, so-called Malay Muslim Rights Group, but also from the Chinese community. And I, I can see that uh, even MCA, for example, has also uh, you know, decided to start a c- campaign uh, to maintain uh, the death penalty. But yes, of course, uh, politicians being politicians uh, would uh, look at things uh, or issues like this to, to see, uh, you know, whether, whether uh, they want to table it uh, uh, as soon as possible. But the issue of death penalty is an issue of human lives. And it cannot be uh, a consideration when they, they bring this about. Uh, in any case, Uh, You know, the the evidence is quite clear. Death penalty, as it stands now, we have it. We have corporal punishment of all sorts. Uh, Yet it has not been an effective uh, punishment to do away with crime or reduce crime. So I hope the, the government um, will be serious in looking at death penalty and join the civilized nations to get rid of it. So whether Omar is threatening a mass protest, I, I, I believe that that cannot be the consideration. It, it, it's never been a popular move. And uh, if you say that let's let's go for a referendum, let's hear what they've got to say, then why will not uh, you know, hudud uh, be brought back uh, through the same manner? Because... Uh, Hudud has got the same argument it's efficient let's not be you know uh, let's not show humanity to the you know the uh, he, the perpetrators or the criminals so it's the same type of argument all right
1: H- thanks you, thank you so much latifa that was latifah for lawyers for liberty and very interesting comments um, i think really i mean with the standout remark there was that um, corporal punishment and the position of the death penalty have not really moved the needle much in terms of addressing perpetrators. Is really addressing the source of all the malaise in society. Now, switching also back to Malaysia um, and to the civil service, the Prime Minister, Ton Mahathir, has expressed an intention to reduce the number of uh, Malaysia's huge civil service um, employees. Now we have about 1.7 million civil servants. In 19, in 2016, uh, this um, human workforce uh, cost Putrajaya seventy four billion ringgit and obviously there's an increase of 107 percent from the time he himself was stepped down in power from 2003 so that's a lot of a big big, there's a huge jump in the wage bill
0: yeah, and prior to, if you remember, prior to the election, uh, the previous election, these this is one of the issues that uh, they, you know, that became a tab, you know, sort of like a taboo conversation. Uh, one of the things that they used to scare people from voting for the Pakatan Harapan government, and also equally a vote bank for the BN. That's right. So I mean, that has been traditionally the case. So it, nevertheless, this topic has been, you know, is up again. It's going to be uh, quite a, you know, it has to be threaded carefully. You know, like it or not, it's it's easy to just say that, uh, yeah we are going to reduce the number of civil servant but nevertheless, it is going to affect livelihood of individuals.
1: Well, there are some um, apt comparisons here. In Malaysia we've got one civil servant for 19 people in 2017. Um, we have seen how Japan, which is the world's third largest economy has one civil service civil servant for 126 people. So that's a um, huge amount. I mean, we're we are, we are having one civil servant for every 19 people. That's a bit of a luxury. And so he mentioned last May that he know plans to terminate some 17,000 civil servants, um, suggesting the use of computers and technologies to comp- compensate for the reduction. Uh, but the backlash, um, you know, obviously could have uh, well, employment issues, other social issues, and, um, you know, re-employment
0: issues yeah and i believe uh, the home affair minister uh, did mention that this will be uh, done gradually now the true size of civil servant in malaysia uh, has this about yeah 500 civil um, civil servants in total new straits time that to isamuda president of congress of union employees in the public and civil service said that uh, you know these numbers are actually around 500,000 and they are based in federal constitution and based on federal constitution, Malaysian civil servants include armed forces, police, education and health personnel. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's interesting to highlight education there. I mean, uh, with... Education has always been that point of contention, and the things that, that you know we talk about that
1: yeah, including teachers in the in the civil service. But you know, even on the other metrics like ministers and junior ministers, number of ministries, even with the uh, diet that Pakatan Harapan's government went on, and we now we now see a more rationalised I think number of twenty eight ministries. I can't remember exactly the number, uh, much lower than the original thirty plus, nearly forty ministries in the past. Um, we're still over ministered. We're still over special ministered. We're over junior ministered. and really, we've got to cut the number of bureaucracy
0: yeah and but there's you know just to highlight that education has always been that sector where you know there's been a lot of complaints for example uh teachers are overworked i think perhaps you know we we, i guess the point is not, not just to look into reducing but also to reallocate civil servants and to prioritize again you know uh prioritize as to where you know the focus should be
1: Okay, well, we're going to be coming back with eight o'clock news, uh, but and then after that, um, Sharon, who do you speak to on the breakfast grill?
0: Yes, I'll be speaking to Meves Mumtaz Ahmed, the um, representing the Central Asian philanthropic of, uh, philanthropy, uh, philanthropy of, <laughs> and society so she is in Kuala Lumpur uh, to speak about their digital uh, doing good in sorry the, do, the doing good index so uh, yeah the, several issues especially with regards to uh, current affairs that, with regards to addressing trust uh, with philanthropic found, uh, philanthropy ph- philanthropic foundation so okay
1: all that to look forward to after this stay tuned bfm
0: 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast